Folks, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show, and the ups and downs in life and on the bandstand continue and uh, to live the life of a musician, road dog musician, tour musician, original creative is a very insecure path, and uh, it's even harder now in the environment that our country finds ourselves in to get a cohesive touring unit together because of the division in the country. Um but I get a chance to talk to a cat today who um, has lived many different lives in his musical life and will probably continue to live many more. Andrew Martin, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, it's good to hear you, man. I had a chance to uh, see you in Boise. I, I just wanted you to talk about like if there's um, sort of the back and forth or push and pull of you playing music creating your own music solo with loops and then playing with a band. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, so I started um, the project up as the down as the in um, 2013. Um, I just stopped touring with a band that I was playing with uh, for eight, almost nine years called Buster Blue from, from Reno. And <clears throat> it was music that was mainly Americana and, um, a lot of similar um, structures, just songwriting wise. And um, I was almost as a reaction, I, I kind of wanted to throw everything aside and see what I could do um, just sonically different um, and kind of dig into music that I had. I felt like I, I didn't really get a chance to dig into because I was on the road or I was kind of immersed in this kind of acoustic world um, for, for such a long time. And so it started by uh, hearing Moses Sumney um, do his live set, which was amazing. And James Blake with all of his um, right. just sonic textures at the time. And then uh, Andrew Bird and Tom York. So those were kind of the, the driving forces um, for for kind of creating that looping texture live and, and just seeing how far I could take it with the equipment that I had, with songwriting ability, because if you're leaving a loop going or some sort of um, delay or some sort of motif that's just continuing, it's, it's hard to make that interesting. Um, I was going to ask you, I just, yeah. I wanted you to talk about, um, like <clears throat> when you realized that you could only reach a certain sonic level with the acoustic band, Buster yeah. Blue, and that like, or was it, you, did you always have a burning desire to, uh, do like electronic expansion? When did you realize that that was the direction you wanted to take your musical career in? Yeah. I, I mean, I just started a lot of those influences started coming into um, the songwriting process for that band. And I just, I physically couldn't do those things with the, the musicians that I was playing with because we had Barry Sachs and uh, I was playing trombone, piano, guitar, and singing in that band. And we had a bunch bunch of people and we all traded instruments around, um, but we weren't to the, the quality level we weren't to the the influence level 
um, of actually doing that. So I kind of find, I found myself hitting this wall a lot. And when I was delving into, <clears throat> um, like in the classical sense, Penderecki and, um, and, and then on the jazz sense of that, like flying Lotus, which opened up a whole, a whole world of, um, programming and everything like that. Um, and then all of the stuff through, I'm a huge Radiohead fan. Um, so all the stuff and influences that kind of delve, delved through their influences, um, I card, you know, I, I started building more and more, um, I guess, musical maturity that way, or just mm. musical, musical mind. I dig. Yeah. I dig. I dig. You needed that time to grow. But then, like, because sure. I, I checked out this article and you were basically doing – I just wonder how you formulated – wanted to come back and play with people again. Like, how did you decide yeah. on the musicians that you surround yourself with? Like, how do you even decide the concept of having, like, sort of like a rock rock fusion horn band, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, when when I started – I mean, it, it got to the same, the same point um, of hitting that wall <clears throat> and saying, okay, this is as far as I can take this with one person and it was either, okay, do I want to be a, a one person um, programming performer really? Because I, I can't play four different, five different things at the same time. And it's much more interesting getting influences from other people and, and collaborating that way. So it, it, you know, I was reaching out to drummers to come in and then a bassist and then seeing what I could do with different uh, instrumentation combinations, whether it's, um, you know, horns or piano or acoustic electric or any sort of combination. Um, I, I have a, a friend in town who plays viola and um, played a lot on our record, The Mind Strays. Yeah. Um, and so it, it just not thinking about it, it's become this kind of music collective um and i'm not trying to do that but it's just how it how it naturally came out organically and so with every iteration and lineup that <clears throat> um and musician that's come in and you know i'm so grateful to be able to play with them um it's it's sparked new interest and it's built that musical vocabulary um uh quite a bit can you give an example of uh, hitting the wall, like in an orchestrating sense, like just being a one-man show? Yeah, I, I mean, the lo the longer I feel song, just songwriting wise, um, the longer you're you're trying to come up with different combinations and trying to keep things fresh, you're kind of, I mean, you're like circling a drain. <laughs> it kind of feels like. <laughs> It just gets, it gets harder and harder and then something will happen. You'll pick up another instrument or you'll collaborate with someone or you'll hear something that just blows your mind and you're like, oh my gosh, this Chick Corea tune is, is just amazing. And it, I, I want to know everything about it. I want to know how the instrumentation was made. I want to know what instruments are going in there. I want to know how he's voicing chords. And that kind of widens the drain a little bit. And so you're circling it at a slower pace. And that's, I, that's a weird 
Well, no, then, it, then, it, then it becomes a bathtub, right? After you get so many influences. Oh, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. is it is it fair to say that um, there is a moment you can point to where that, like specifically like with, with Radiohead or with anything where, um, I don't know, the longing to me, like certain tunes on the studio album. I mean, listen, I, lis- I love listening to vinyl. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah. you know, there's just something about... Um, the idea of the conversation. Like, I wonder yeah. if that's like, how have you always been interested in the conversation? I mean, were you like an ear trained musician? Did you grow up in a family with music? I'm just curious how you got to be like a Jack of all trades. Uh, someone say master of all trades at, at all the instruments. Yeah. Uh, so I was the quintessential like band choir kid growing up and <clears throat> went through that. I went to college for, for low brass as a trombone player and a trombone player. Um, and then I taught music for, um, I was a band director for 10 years. So in, in that sense, education sense, um, that's kind of that trajectory. Um, and musically, I mean, that conversation, there's different iterations of that conversation, right? There's, there's a programming conversation where you're interacting with different DAWs or you're interacting just, um, with different sonic textures. So there's that level. There's the level of conversations that you have with other musicians that had like, it's a completely different conversation. And if you, depending on how many other musicians are in that room performing, um, it can, it can be chaos. It could be beautiful. It could be, um, it could be tight. It could be loose. It could be all of these different aspects. There's so many different ways that you can pull from that. Um, and and so trying to mix that conversation as much as you can or as much as I can um, is what I've always been interested in with this project. It's can I ride that line between what is an organic, natural conversation between musicians and what is that conversation? Um, what is that conversation going to be if we add in a programmed element, if we're using um midi if we're using plugins if we're using synths if we're using um specifically for just the song we're doing um uh, a, a drum pad sample and, and like how that's going to interact with a live viola how it's going to interact with with different people playing different instruments it's it's an ongoing conversation and it can go you know a million different ways um how did you wind up getting the gig as the uh was what kind of band director was for like the community or what what was how did you get that gig yeah i i was a middle school band director for um up in up in idaho for about seven years and i taught um band and um i kind of co-directed in um in nevada and reno um i grew up in nevada and so that's that was always on the back burner and and i um, you know, I was so heavily influenced educationally by Bernstein and, um, and, uh, I know you're talking to, to Colin about Victor Wooten, Victor Wooten. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Um, he's like a monster and, uh, Christian Scott, uh, he's a big, uh, influence just educationally and where philosophically where, um, yeah, where is where talk, talk about your philosophy? That's really what I'm getting at. Like, yeah, 
like what was what did you try to infuse most to me like you know if i had any kind of facility or wherewithal like i would just want the cats to play with other people that are better than them and hit clams and make mistakes because it's better to cook with grease than to be yeah. some like monster chops person but i want to hear it from you man yeah absolutely um i mean that that sense of i mean i i got to a, a point musically where i was more in, in school when i was more interested in what <laughs> kind of musically everything around what i was doing i was more interested in so i wanted to be out performing i wanted to i wanted to be a jazz musician for a long time um and i you know i looked up to um kenny dorham and uh <laughs> and like benny goodman and like yeah. all those jazz greats um i gosh i had a dizzy gillespie album in my oh, in my yeah. car for yeah. years i mean like beginning of high school up until i was <laughs> college Diz, I just, man. Diz, man. dude oh yeah. my gosh oh my and, god and uh uh mingus so you, had, you want yeah go ahead you wanted that you were folk you were you were you were a jazz head i mean you wanted to be a jazzer pretty much pretty much yeah i and i was kind of going down this classical road um and and i i knew that i wasn't going to be a professional trombone player i, I don't want to be i mean that takes a very whew, a disciplined person to be pretty big much time. big time i mean you're hitting play you're you are like a record that needs to hit play and sound the same every single time that you perform. Um, and I was much more interested in improvisation at that point. Um, and I think improvisation in general, um, whether it's compositional improvisation or your, um, gosh, like on the spot, or if you're, you know, setting up a solo section or doing that, I, that was way more interesting. Um, musically to what i wanted to do um and so in the band that i was playing in yeah we could some of us could improvise but it wasn't really um it wasn't a conversation it turned into it was like it was like a machine that's right where where yeah. you turn it on and you go through and you're done mm -hmm. and anytime we'd think about going back and turning that it was harder to add a gear or, or do anything like that so, um yeah, so that improvisational um, aspect of the music, and then when I discovered Christian Scott, he he continues to blow my mind musically. But mm. um, that Diaspora album that he came out with recently, I don't know if you're into Christian Scott, but no, I'm, dude, I, I'm not. I'm I'm really not that hip to much of anything, but I I would I'll de definitely dig it, man. Yeah, you got to send oh, me some stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, I will absolutely. Yeah, please. That that album is amazing, and he came out with an album called Yesterday. He said tomorrow. And that uh, was a huge influence on me. And his his kind of mentality is um, he's kind of he's looking at it in a jazz perspective, but he's he's coming at it from almost an updated contemporary view on that. Like he it's almost as if jazz was um, was actually moving forward for the past. <laughs> you know what I mean? I dig, man. No, I dig. Yeah. I dig. Yeah. I dig. And He's like, taking it forward a hundred years, yeah, yeah, and and it's kind of this genreless, um, wow. 
this genreless music that that incorporates everything. It's like modal uh, modal motifs from from China and um, uh, percussion instruments from India that are playing African rhythms. Um, stand up basses playing funk rhythms. It's like yeah, it's, it's completely crazy. turned on its head, man. Totally yeah. on its head. Yeah. I love that. That's that's what it what needs. You know, people talk. I remember when I interviewed Herb Albert, um, he talked about like, you know, the idea of going through that in kind of alluding to what you're talking about, where the music gets stuck, you go through some kind of machine thing. But in jazz, it's like you play the head and then, you know, it's very predictable, sax, solo, yeah, piano, yeah. whatever. But like change up that formula or change up what the intention of that instrument is supposed to be yeah. or what we think of that. So that to me is very hip. I mean yeah. – I mean, when do you, what are the antecedents in your mind on the bandstand? I don't care what genre, but just getting into the spirit mind, what the spirit, creating spiritual music. I found that not just as a journalist, but like also a fanatic that the, the crowd with the kind of music that I love, you know, you can infuse a lot of soul and, and raise the collective consciousness along with the musicians. The idea that the musicians just have to bring it. I want to bring yeah. a sense of urgency to the bandstand, but I love when the cats, like when you leave the thinking mind and you enter the spirit mind. And I wonder if that was like, I know there's no formula per se, but yeah. how did you access that when you were playing free and thinking you were, you know, Wayne, Wayne Henderson or like, you know, uh, Bob Brookmeyer or something. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I mean that's kind of been the hardest the hardest thing for me because I came from a background that was so um classical in the sense interesting. um interesting really so like, like classical symphonic bone symphonic bone yeah yeah and just wow. the just that discipline of of um pushing yourself to a limit and then taking apart what you played, criticizing it and trying to make it better every time. And there's so striving for that perfection. And it's taken me years to get over and kind of loosen up. And so to, to have that performance mindset where it, it is so natural. Um, it's, I, that's always something that I'm, I'm striving to do. It's almost like forcing myself to loosen up. <laughs> <laughs> so how talk about you know do you is this is like an internal journey or do you reach out to people you respect for advice how do you get out of your how have you learned to get out of your own way i mean none of us can do it just on our own you know oh yeah i i mean the the guys that i'm playing with um now cam and colin and keegan um i mean it, this band has been kind of a rotating door for a while with i mean inviting anyone who wanted to play and collaborate for a <laughs> that's while so free man that's beautiful yeah oh yeah and it's beautiful. it's definitely helped me but just getting perspectives from other people and i mean they're bringing in influences that i wouldn't even think about or they're they're interpreting music whether it's my songs or you know, covers or, or just listening, sitting and listening to music, interpreting it in a completely new way. And so that, that conversation again is just ongoing about, you know, sitting down and listening to 
a Radiohead album or sitting down and listening to um to Chick Korea, which um which is becoming like 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 hype <laughs> hype music for us at, at when we're rehearsing. Chick is every ubiquitous cat, man. Oh my Unreal, gosh, yeah. man. Unreal dude. Um but but even having those conversations and that connection between the people that I'm playing with makes it makes it a spiritual experience on stage. If it feels like, you know, someone isn't prepared um, or you, you feel like you can't have a conversation with anyone else, it gets hard. Um, right. That's right. That's really, and, can you talk about like that? I mean, to me, like there's just the idea that you've hit a wall, so to speak. You can't really go any farther based on the person, the people, the band's vocabulary. Or then there's just the idea that there's just a lot of mind games or mental stuff that goes on, you know, which is just sort of like the behind the, how do you like, like, how have you worked through that through in your career? I think it's just, it's, it's a, something that um, it's important to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's almost a sense of, or a, a way of like writer's block, um, which, which is a, a taboo thing to talk about. Um, why is it taboo? It, I don't mean that. Yeah, nothing's taboo. But yeah, what, why is it taboo? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it seems like at least the songwriters that I've I've been in contact with, like you you mentioned that, and they're like, well, maybe I have writer's block. <laughs> wait, I haven't written anything for a while. What's what? Wait, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> um, and so I, I mean, it's it is important to talk about, but it's it's almost like you, you, you're circling that drain or you're, you, if you, you finish a record and you never know if it's going to continue or not. Um, mm. And so striving for that spiritual experience, performing as, as often as you can. And like, um, like, I mean, almost like there's, there's no one else in the room and you're just in a rehearsal space. That's kind of where I, I want to strive to, to be as a, as a performer and you feed off of the audience. It could be one person or a, a thousand people, but I mean, you want to play, you want to play as, as well as you can all the time. And you want to have that spiritual experience. Um, and it just, if that, that audience is just a member of the band at that point, they're just, they're along for the ride. But I mean, if anything that they give you, you can get back. There's been a lot of cats that have been sort of running through up as the down as the, um, do you feel that um, to me, like getting closer to that spiritual element of the music comes from road dogging together playing a lot together building a lot of trust together can you get to that same same state of consciousness with cats in a one-off kind of thing or like would you like for instance this quartet that i saw yeah like, I, do you want this band to stay together or it, it could just turn over again or is that arbitrary break that down i i mean I want to play with people as long as they want to play. <laughs> um, and I'm, nice I'm very much, this is, I think we're getting to a point where it's like, why are you playing with so many people? And you're like, are you just hard to work with? 
<laughs> but it's but really I, I'm there to collaborate with whatever people want to do. I'm not trying to steer a ship. I'm I'm pretty much I I want to collaborate with any and all. Right. So if if right. this quartet stays together for for a while, then that's great. Um, I think I've I've been trying to keep it as natural as possible. Um, and honestly, it's just been like people come over and they're playing and this is years ago and we're trying to adapt songs that I had as a solo artist. And it just, it was hard. It didn't work for a while. Um, and so as those songs kind of morph and evolve and it becomes more natural, then obviously it's a better conversation. It's a better um, better performance. It's more fun. Um, so I, th I think it's it's been morphing away from adapting these older songs and with each kind of recording project that we do, it becomes more and more natural. Um, and this last album that we put out um, was the most collaborative, but because of, you know, everything going on in the world and pandemic and everything, it was harder for people to get together and perform. So with this group, um, and, and it's been this way with, uh, with a bunch of musicians in town. Um, it, but, but it, it feels very natural. Um, and so it's, it's turning, it's turned into a project where I want to see this, um, personally, but getting all four of us in a room and, and communicating and recording that way rather than piecemealing things. And so it's, it's kind of, this is kind of like the evolution of the project from, you know, turning over from being in a different band and having a very perspective or a, a unique perspective on music right. and flipping that out, flipping that on its head. What, what is, else is out there? What can I do with just this, taking that as far as I could go, bringing in other people, adapting the performance, adapting the recordings, adapting the, the, the conversation. And now it's just completely natural where the music has gone into a more organic space. The performance has gone into a more organic space that actually is very fun to perform. And there's a more natural organic conversation with the musicians, um, which, I mean, it's taken, taken a while because there's so many different processes that it's gone through, um, but it's, it's just gone into its own um its own entity now it's where, not where, necessarily can you, can you talk about where it was i mean i just saw you guys and that was mm. really greasy stuff but where was it before um i mean it's it's been tight and it's been a, a very good conversation but just with different musicians it's a different conversation and a different sound sure. so um for the last i guess album cycle it was much more R&B based um, and a little bit looser. And then before that, I was still doing looping and bringing in musicians to play with me. So it was much more program based. Um, and then originally I was setting up percussion and looping percussion 
and then looping vocals and looping guitar and doing all of this stuff and trying trying to see how far I could take it. And so now it's it's kind of come full full circle wow. where I I started in a band with a bunch of people and went the completely opposite direction whether it was <laughs> whether it was good or not. <laughs> And, and now it's come around back to that live conversation, but with a completely different musical vocabulary and a completely different set of influences, um, at least personally. And I, you know, I've, I've come into contact with these amazing musicians in town and they're all giving just as interesting conversation back to me musically um right right so it's yeah it's, so it's like, that's, you know i mean like it's it's getting closer to that one living breathing organism right that's what right. it's about that you just want it yep. moving all and just continually moving i uh you know you you know i, I talked to my buddy up in uh in Boise, uh, he's been on back on the road for, I don't know, a little over a year now, maybe late yeah. 21. And, you know, the economy's really Swiss cheese and the bars are basically still broke. And, you know, yeah. it's like they're sort of just, and everybody flooded the market because everybody wanted to get back to play. Yeah. Bands, you know, and I dig that. I just wonder um, what, like, whether or not you want to road dog it or you've done that and, or just what is, what are the challenges of a road dog musician in this modern era? And what is the bright light if you choose that path? Yeah, I, gosh, kudos for any working band right now who's making it happen and surviving and doing that and venue. Uh, I mean, it's a completely different um, environment to go out and, and play um, just with the venues changing, even if it's contacts for venues changing, um, and how those venues are even managed, whether they exist or not anymore. Wow. And then wow. whether, whether bands exist anymore, or if it's a different iteration, it's, it, de it definitely feels very, um, it's like there's a frontier out there and for people who are doing it, and touring consistently, um, gosh, I, it seems like it's, it's incredibly different than when I was doing it a lot. And I mean, when I was doing it, it was get in a van, make sure we have a guarantee. Um, and we're, we're gone for a month and then we come back for a couple of days rest and then we're out for another month. Um, I, I want to stop you right there. First yeah. of all, I realized you guys had, uh, you were, um, very actually had a big following and, and you're telling me that um, you would sell merch at all these for a month. Then you would yep. come home for two days and then you would be back on the road because you don't really make a lot of money on the gig per se, but it's always the merch table, at least that's what it is now. And I just like, to me, it's like, that is insane in the sense that like now cats bands that I follow that are road dogging it and making it happen. Like you said, they get two and a half, weeks maybe yeah maybe three and then they're off for two months oh so yeah it's like even the calendar i mean every it's just swiss cheese man yeah we were um 
so this was when I was touring consistently, and this was a while ago, this was between 2009 and 2014. Um, we were the band that I was playing in. Um, we were playing more of a bluegrass circuit. Um, and almost like a jam band circuit, but we weren't that sort of band at all. Um, so we were getting, um, guarantees for shows and we were playing three, four hour sets with breaks in between. So like 45s and then playing, getting like a break and then going back out. Um, and so we were building it. It was very grassroots. It was, we were doing it all ourselves. We had, we had street teams in a lot of cities. Um, and Boise was, was one of the, the towns that we just absolutely loved coming to and the music scene. I mean, tree Fort had just started and, uh, the music scene was, was thriving in that sense at that time. Um, and so it was, it was very grassroots. It was all about connecting with a city, connecting with, um, who was coming to the show. And yeah, we were, we were selling merch, um, and making money that way. But a lot of it, it almost paralleled with guarantees that we were doing. But then on top of that, because we were all acoustic, we were busking as well. Wow. And so we would, yeah. So we would, we would busk, um, you know, in the afternoon before a show. And sometimes it would be really good. And I mean, we, we do maybe five, 600 bucks busking. We did that in Seattle one time and then we'd go and play a show. And so it was a completely different setup, but we could play those songs because we were all trained on those instruments and had that, that musical background. We could play them busking and then play them on stage. Um, it was the same. <laughs> I, vocabulary. Be I gotta be clear about something. Yeah. The, the, everybody in the band would go to a different part of Seattle and bus, or you would play as a band busking. We'd play as a band busking. Wow. So where was that magical day? Where were you at at when you when you scored that that dub? Yeah, we did um we did Capitol Hill, we did uh Ballard a lot. Right. Uh we played at Connor Byrne quite a bit at that time. Um and I mean everywhere we would go. It didn't matter if we were in like Breckenridge, Colorado, we'd get instruments out and we'd busk and and see who was interested and it was just a great way to promote the band at that time you would say that um it's like a it's an animal that you don't need to nor want to pursue the idea of trying to take up as the down is across is there across the country is there an apparatus is that even a desire i <laughs> personally it would be With whatever configuration whatever configuration yeah um I definitely toured just by myself and looping. And that was a, that was wild. <laughs> well, talk um, about that. I mean, was it, was, yeah, yeah. was it, was it a, did you feel like, were you, was it, a res, were you respected? Was it a two way street respect from the club owners and respect from the, you know? Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Uh, um, and that was 2015, 16. Um, I, yeah, I did multiple West coast runs um, just by myself with, um, with a looping setup at the time. And, you know, at being a, 
it's it's so much fun being an opener and for the music that I was playing and what I was trying to do it was it was hard to pigeonhole me so they would put me on any sort of show it's almost like that it's almost like uh um what's that there's an interview with Tom Waits and he he said I was an opener for years and they would just throw me on whatever because they didn't know what to do with me <laughs> and it was this it was the same sort of thing i would play I did, with yeah. r&b bands i would play with i would play complete bills with just people who are looping it's like wow there's other people doing this okay um i would play with uh with full indie bands and i would get there and they'd have four mics set up i'm like oh no i need four di's and i have <laughs> i have two guitar amps that's running effects and they're like, oh, you're not a band. <laughs> you're just a person. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, you're telling me that they put three completely individualistic um, like cats on a on a bill together doing doing the kind of music that you were doing solo work. Yeah. Whether it was a singer songwriter or. Right. Um, like a, a solo drummer who is singing or. Wow. That sounds great. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, um, how, so in, in that sense, in general, what, how do you, how's Andrew Martin avoided being pigeonholed in music? Like to me uh, with the Jake Feinberg show, 12 years in my fifth book's about to come out, still connecting with cats all over the country, you know, Damn, slowly, congrats. Yeah, man, like, you know, like, it's been a really spiritual trip. <laughs> and, um, you know, <clears throat> I just, I, I wonder about, um, you know, where you think you need to grow the most uh, as a musician or just in life. Uh, where do you need to push yourself out of your comfort zone? It's the only time that I've ever grown in my life is just when I've been pushed out of my comfort zone. Yeah, I, I think that's mainly where a spiritual aspect of music comes in because I, I have gotten to the point songwriting wise where if I, if I'm pushing it, it gets harder. And if I'm, I mean, some, some tunes will come out and it'll be so easy and so natural and others you think are easy and they, you know, you're, they're done a year later. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, and you're like, I'm still not happy with this. <laughs> um, and I, I think just in a spiritual aspect, giving, giving yourself that time and, and knowing that it will continue. Because I, I mean, we got done with that album and I have a couple songs left over, but I never have 30 songs left over. It's, they just kind of pull out of air. Um, and, but that really depends on what you're listening to and everything. So honestly, if, if I could tour, that would be great. If it was, if that would be awesome. If I could continue performing, um, especially with the guys I'm playing with now, um, that would be amazing. If I can keep writing songs and keep being a sponge and supporting music and listening to music 
and going out and seeing local bands and seeing what else is out there. And that inspires me. Then I'm completely happy with that. <laughs> Dude, you know, what's it's funny. I was going to, yeah. I was, I was, you basically just answered the question I was going to open the show with, but you just answered it, which is what is Andrew Martin's definition of success? Because success is all relative and you just nailed that answer right there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That, I, that, that's awesome. I can't think about, and I don't want to really think about, um, I, I don't think I've ever thought about uh, where, where I need to go next or, Oh, this is, this is what I've already done. I have to make it different or anything like that. That's when it always gets really hard. And that's when everything feels forced or it, it seems cold. Mm. And so if I can, if I can stay inspired, um, by, doing all of those things, whether it, it ends up being touring or just performing um, regionally or locally, or just being able to write music, that is absolutely success for sure. And having, I mean, the, the people that I kind of put on a pedestal, um, I mean, that that's kind of a mentality that I am striving for. I'm striving for, um, music that is genuine um, to, to myself um, or the people I'm playing with. And I'm not trying to, you know, go, go out of my comfort zone on just to do it. It doesn't make any sense. So I know that there are artists that do that, but it's, it's not a, it's not something I'm interested in. I'm not interested in forcing it. I'm not interested in trying to be something I'm not. Um, I'm just interested in, in writing. It's, it sounds cliche, but just writing the best music that, and music that I enjoy playing. And that's, that's a hard thing to do. Were, uh, how did you break away from the, the classical situation? I mean, were you considered a black sheep? Were you like a Kai, Kai Winding, JJ John? Like what got you into jazz? Um, uh, well, being in jazz band in school and playing all those traditional charts, that was a good starting point. That's where, you know, it led into Dizzy Gillespie and Duke Ellington and like all the traditional greats. Um, but then it was, it was finding music that was slightly outside of that, um, like Mingus and something a little bit more um, improvisational or a little bit more loose or like listening to Sun Ra and listening to those recordings that are um, Angels right. and Demons. I listened to that tune thousands of times. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, yeah. it's like, like ran, random, random kind of influences because I was just kind of grabbing at right. everything I could at the time. Um, and it, whether it was you know, trombonists that I love, um, which there's a very famous trombone player named Andy Martin, who I've always been <laughs> compared to because I have the same name. Oh my um, God, I saw that. I was like, yeah. no, that's not the cat I'm looking for. And then I'm like, <laughs> you played bone your whole life. Unbelievable. And that, yeah. And I mean, he's absolutely amazing. Um, right. But then looking towards different instrumentalists that I really loved and then looking past that into 
getting into different genres. Um, I, I was huge. I used to, to host a bossa nova night um, at a bar in, in Reno. And I was probably seen as the black sheep there because people would go in and like, Stan Getz, why are you playing Stan Getz right now? Oh, this now? is so great, dude. <laughs> so great, dude. Jazz Samba with Charlie Bird, you know, all that stuff, man. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's like, you're like, Herbie Mann? What, how, why do you know Herbie Mann? <laughs> right, you're, you, were, you were taking it way back. I mean, what was the, how would you describe the music scene in Reno? Yeah, I, I couldn't say now. Not now, but I mean, like, I, yeah, growing up, yeah. like, was it a funky... Like, was it a cool place to, to, to be a musician, so to speak? Yeah, for sure. It, it was, um, gosh, there were there a lot of punk, like pop punk bands that were coming sure. up. So as a, as a middle school, high school kid getting into that, it was amazing. Um, and there were so many great venues that were, um, trying to bring in bands on their touring routes, kind, kind of in the same sense as Boise where it's not it's not a major market it's a secondary or on the way market <laughs> that's right so so it was the same way yeah totally. yeah so it was like you know all these bands would be playing on an off night and so it was a lot of smaller crowds and you'd get to see these bands that would play got like the Neptune in Seattle and you're like what they're that big oh my god <laughs> Yeah. Wow. So that wow. was, that was a, that was a cool thing. Um, but I was, I was really into, um, uh, there was, there was a big, uh, folk scene in, in Reno. Um, there was a big psychobilly scene in Reno. Um, there, was, there there stone, was, was there like a stone jazz club or, or not really? Um, there, there was when I was going through, it was kind of that club had closed. Um, but there's, there's so many music educators in Reno who have kept jazz programs alive in that, in that district, in that area. Um, there's a, there's a group called the collective, which are just a bunch of professors at, at UNR, um, who may be there. They might, they may be retired at this point, but, um, they, influenced so many amazing musicians in town um and they've put out recordings and everything they're fantastic but um the, so they were a driving force definitely for for the jazz scene one final question for you andrew martin i uh i just um you know how much is music in my opening rant there was that um there are certain parts of the country that certain bands, <clears throat> just certain, plot, you know, parts of Red America that um, a lot of people would just assume skip. Um, how can music uh, bring, being that you've been somebody who has seen it over and over and over again on the bandstand, seeing how much it heals people, um, what can you say about the healing vib uh, vibration and, uh, and rhythm of music uh, and as it relates to, you know, kind of where the world is at right now. The, the one thing that I could take away um, from the time that I was touring, and again, that was, you know, a, a while ago, 
um, was music is a, a driving force for bringing people together, honestly. Right. And that's, that's the bottom line. Um, there, it, you could be, you could be anywhere. And if there's great music playing, then it's gonna, it's gonna at least allow how, how different you are people to come together in the same room, listen to the same language. They may interpret it completely differently, but they're listening to the same language right. and existing in the same space next to each other. And that, come, I mean, I grew up in a small town and coming, going out and see, seeing the world in that way um, made me, you know, incredibly optimistic. Um, Can you go a little bit deeper on that? Yeah, I, I mean, the we we would play really small, you know, country towns sometimes. Right. And it didn't matter. I mean, this is also coming from a perspective where we're all a bunch of white kids that grew up in, in Nevada. But um, No, but that's, I mean, dude, the, I, Richard Green and all the guys in Peter Rowan's, I mean, in Bill Monroe's yeah. bands, they were the same way, you know? Yeah. Just white, white cats that were playing bluegrass in front of five people with three people. For sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But it, I mean, that's sort no of judgment, it. though. Yeah, I did what you're saying. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it, it brings people together. Um, gosh, sometimes it doesn't even matter what you're playing. It's just you being there and people want to talk to you. And so you can have a conversation. And it's it's that grassroots, at least in that aspect, that grassroots mentality where you can travel around and you can reach people. And you can communicate and you can bring people together um with music and I, I know it's a completely different environment completely different um mentality in some places especially today um but it's definitely something that i mean i i tried to to pass on to students that i've had in the past it's if you one be genuine to yourself and and make the music that you want to make and share that with as many people as you can. And you're going to find those people who enjoy it. And even if they don't, they're going to respect you for doing that. And I love it, man. I freaking love it. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, as you, you can tell, I'm an optimist. And I, if Me I too. could, no, I mean, if yeah, I could, absolutely, yeah. man. If I could share my music and make somebody, if somebody's, says that they like it and they listen to it and they want to talk to me afterwards that's a win has it saved your life oh absolutely oh absolutely yeah i the i think the town that i grew up in i mean there wasn't much to do um it was you know it was skateboard or you know mess around to do something you're not supposed to or um or play music wow and a lot of us what was the name of the town how, what was the name of the town uh gardnerville Nevada. unbelievable yeah. continue um so so i played in that band in buster blue and we got out and saw the world that way um but that i mean that changed the trajectory the trajectory of 
all of our lives. We, um, we're all playing music still. Um, but personally it's, it's created this journey where I, I had to experiment musically and reach out for different influences and see how far, um, my web of listening can go, um, and continue that as much as I can in every direction and see how that can influence my musical output and, or just artistic output, you know, thinking of album art, thinking about how you're putting out projects, thinking about um, how you want to present something to somebody um, just with, just with the mentality of I made this, this is genuine art for my end. If you like it, that's amazing. If you listen to it for 30 seconds and you're like, this is not for me, but thanks for doing that. Cool. That's great. If I get to go and tour and play in front of a thousand people, that's amazing. Um, and, and again, if I can continue to do that my rest, the rest of my life, I'm, I'm a happy camper. <laughs> Andrew Martin, we'll do this again, man. I just like, thank you for, <clears throat> thank you for, for raising my spirits today. Uh, I consider myself an optimist as well, but um, you know, it seems to me that, uh, you know, I don't know if we're either of us are easy to work with, you know, but fiercely independent people uh, tend to create beautiful things. And there are cats out there that are responding to it. And uh, it was really a high honor to connect with you, man. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We'll do it again, baby. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. You know, let me know. You got a. Uh, you know, my brother lives up in Boise, so I get up there every every once in a while. So if you have like any kind of like any gigs or, you know, set gigs along the way, like, you know, keep me in the loop. I'd love to come blow it out. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, if we can if we can tour, I'd love to go back to Tucson. Well, I mean, that's Damn. that's the, that's the idea, you know. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you have a. Uh, you guys have some gigs coming up at all or what's, what's on the, on the, on the schedule? Um, nothing confirmed right now. Uh, just cause we're all kind of playing out and doing things, but through the summer, we'll definitely play some shows. Um, and if you play any festivals, I, I'll yeah. definitely let me know, man. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Much love, yeah. baby. All right. Yeah. Have a good night. Thanks for chatting. Yeah. yeah be cool. Yeah. Peace.